I love you, community of faith. We had just been meeting in Goodson Middle School for a couple of years, and we really needed to build that first building, but you knew what you wanted to do, and we spent $200,000 building that orphanage in Costa Rica. It's made a difference in the lives of a lot of little kids, and I thought, what a powerful statement from a church that says, more important than buildings for us, we're going to make impact. We're going to make a difference. And that's what it means to be community of faith. We've been studying uh, over these last few weeks in a series called I Am. And we found through the book of Ephesians that God has rescued us, that he's given us purpose. He's purposed us. But I want to talk to you in this closing message of this series about I Am community of faith. What does it mean to be community of faith because I, I believe that it's something really special it's not just words that are mouthed it's not just um, things that are said like so much of American religion can be and little ideas tossed around but it's our whole lives invested it's all that we are in because the community of faith we know that what we believe, we practice, everything else is just religious talk. What we believe, we practice. Everything else is just religious talk. And so today is one of those really cool days. If you're a guest with us today, it's, it's a day that Community of Faith is saying, we're all in. We're in. We're in this thing. And... We're saying it with our giving, so we're going to give, and we're going to pledge for next year and what God wants to do around the globe. We're still supporting that orphanage in Costa Rica, but we've done some amazing things. We had actually about uh, $600,000, $700,000 worth of land, and now we've given it over to a, a church that's joined with us in Costa Rica, and they couldn't believe that some church in the U.S. would give away you know, $700,000, um, but they're in charge of the orphanage now, and they're running it even better than we could have ever run it, and we're walking with them. We're still supporting them about $50,000 a year and a part of everything that's going on there. But that's just one of the, the little things that, that you're doing. I want us to be in. I want us to do this. Another thing we're going to do today, we're going to baptize today. Some of you right here right now you didn't come today ready to be baptized but you're going to be baptized before we're done today and we're going to give you the chance we're going to have things for you to change into we've got little changing areas um, we're going to have right at the end of this service and you see right up here two baptismals that we brought in we're going to baptize you inside today all right so some of you are going to leave and you're just going to leave dripping wet for Jesus Christ, okay, because he is everything to us. I want us to talk about it a little bit. I just put some verses down there for you, and these are the, this passage is about giving. Now, we're not of the, you know, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it group, okay, but I want to tell you something. God made some promises about giving, and this is one of the most radical passages about it so let's just run through it really quickly together in 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 
verses 6 through 13. The Bible says, but I will say this to encourage your generosity. The one who plants little harvests little. And the one who plants plenty harvests plenty. What it's saying, actually right there, it's saying that the amount entrusted to you in your life often depends on what you do with what you already have. It's an axiom. You know what an axiom is? An axiom is a self-evident truth that doesn't need any verification because it's so obvious. Ask any farmer. If you just plant a little bit of seed, you're going to have a little bit of harvest. If you plant a lot of seed, you're going to have a lot of harvest. My son David is just an interesting guy. He's a poet. He, he you know, went to Oxford. He, he, he just, he's kind of blown up in England as, as a poet. But he gets to know all these people everywhere. And the thing about David's friends, I can't tell if they're billionaires or they live under a bridge. I don't know. I, I mean, you just can't tell just by looking at them. And I met one of his friends, a little Bangladeshi guy that was with him not too long ago. And I asked him, I said, oh, so what do you do in Bangladesh? And, and he said, I have a tea garden. And I said, oh, that's so awesome. I said, well, do you, do you sell the tea anywhere? He goes, yeah, we have a little tea shop. And I said, oh, that's great. And then he said, and the targets. And I was like, no, what? And he goes, and the target. And I said, what do you mean? All the target stores, they, they carry our tea. And I said, how big is this little tea garden? And it was like, I forget how many hundreds and hundreds of square miles, all right? And it had thousands of people working it. That is not a little tea garden to me, you know? But if you're going to sell tea in Target, you better plant a lot of tea, right? And that's what, I want us to be that, I want us to see a huge harvest. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for your life. Um, This isn't just financial Jesus says in another place, he says, don't judge lest you be judged. In fact, the way that you give it out, that's how it's going to get measured back to you, except it's going to come back even more like a harvest. That's why I hope you're giving out mercy to people around you. You ever seen a judger when it comes back? Mm. Man, I don't want to be one of those preachers, you know? So I'm giving you mercy, so I'm coming back in mercy, right? That's what I want, because that's what... Jesus himself said, now in this passage it is financial. He says, Paul, the apostle writing here says, your harvest is directly proportionate to your seed sown. You're going to reap a harvest according to your sowing. The question really isn't if that's true or not because what Paul is saying is God built that into the universe. He, he, he He shows us in the natural world, but he's saying all of you, who have stepped into this journey with me, it's also true for you. I built it into the very fabric of the universe. The question is, do we believe that? Now remember, what we believe, we practice. It's easy to say, oh yeah, I believe that. It's gonna be a little harder when you put the card in the bucket, right? What we believe, we practice. Everything else is just religious talk. Let's don't, Fool ourselves. Look at verse 7. This is such an interesting verse. Giving grows out of the heart. Otherwise, you've reluctantly grumbled yes because you felt you had to. The little Greek phrases there, it it means that from inside of you, you have this attitude that like, I ought to do this. 
I, I need to do this, but I don't want to do this. This is like, it's kind of making me sad, you know, and, and it, it, it's, it's making me sad, but I'm, I'm going to do it. That's what it, it's saying there. Or it goes on, or because you couldn't say no, the Greek words there are like someone's putting a thumb on you from outside and saying, hey, you better give. Or you see, you know, the pictures of, uh, you know, the little starving kids around the globe or something, and, and you're thinking, oh, I just, if somebody, let me just tell you something. If you're at a church sometime and the pastor starts putting pressure on you to give, you just don't give, okay? And you go up and tell them afterwards, my pastor, Mark Shook, told me not to give anything, all right? If that ever happens here, you don't give. This is not about an outward compulsion. It's not an inner reluctance. It's not an outward, uh, or, or some of you are going like, oh, I think I ought to give or God's gonna get me with some lightning or something. God's not doing that. But look what this verse goes on to say. Giving grows out of the heart. Otherwise, you've reluctantly grumbled, yes, because you felt you had to or because you couldn't say no. But this isn't the way God wants it. For we know that God loves a cheerful giver. I've looked all over scripture. I can't find another verse like this that says that God loves somebody special in response to an action. You see, God is not a performance-based God. Aren't you glad? He loves us unconditionally. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That was while we were yet sinners, the Bible says. He loved us just as we were in our big mess. And those of us who have stepped into this believing, it says he loves us with a perfect love. But here it says, but he can't quite help it. He kind of does have some favorites. And those are the cheerful givers. Now, it's interesting to me because I don't usually see, when I say, now it's time to pass the offering basket, someone go, oh, 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 oh. It doesn't really happen, really, in any service, you know, uh, that I, if you want to do it today, feel free, but he loves a cheerful giver. He loves it. Now, I have seen someone go like, <laughs> you know, that's a little different. Don't give if it feels like that. But God loves it when we do that. Why? Because he knows we believe. He knows that we love him. God is ready, verse 8, to overwhelm you with more blessings than you could ever imagine so that you'll always be taken care of in every way and you'll have more than enough to share. Did you hear that? God is ready to overwhelm you. But some of you are going like, well, he sure ain't overwhelmed me yet. Have you opened the way for him to do it? He's ready. It's a real point blank thing. God going, I'm ready. Now just open the way. And we're going like, I think I'll hold on to the way. No, open the way. No, I don't think I'm going to do that. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that I trust your heart that much, God. He opened the way. In fact, he said in the Old Testament, test me in this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. It's an amazing idea here. He says so that you'll have more than enough. This idea of enoughness. Do you have lack in your life? You see, there's a principle and that's what he's saying. I, I need you to know that. Again, I'm not talking about some kind of prosperity thing. 
where it's just like, oh, I'm going to give and I'm going to, so I can have this big house and a big car and a big whatever else. He's looking for pipelines into his kingdom. Why has he blessed community of faith so much? Because you made a statement and you said, we're going to do this. I mean, we built these buildings at a third of what anybody else anywhere around built buildings for. I don't even, you know, I'm just, if I was y'all, I would probably be sitting down here instead of up there. But that's all right. No, no, it's safe. But it is just, it is functional. It's not opulent. But it's more than adequate. It's enough. But it's enough so that we can share. We get to give it out. You've given literally tens upon tens upon tens of millions of dollars in the, in the 15 years that we've existed to make a difference right here in Houston and around the globe. And I love you for that. Verse 9. Remember what is written about the one who trusts in the Lord. He scattered abroad. He gave freely to the poor. His righteousness endures throughout the ages. This church in this place, it's not the buildings, it's us. But it's going to continue. Long after I'm dead and gone and you're dead and gone, there's going to be a vibrant church here. And if we do this right, long after we're dead and gone, we're going to be still rescuing little girls out of sex trafficking in Houston. And I was watching them last night right up here on the front with their hands up saying there's no shadow that you're not going to light up. There's no mountain that you're not going to climb over coming after me. I'm telling you, we're going to do this right. In Burundi, we're doing it right. We're, we're seeing that money just continue to even multiply, even as we give it out, even over there. Now, you've given a lot of money to Burundi. You've probably given over a million dollars now, easy. Maybe a million, three or four, probably. But we're giving out $300,000 a month now in loans from the bank itself. Microloans, mid-level loans, and it's just building. Claude Nikondeha, our staff member over there, his dream is to give a million dollars back to missions through community of faith from the poorest country on the planet. That sounds like a cool dream to me. Two million dollars back every year. And I think it's going to happen. It's well on its way. But the money just keeps multiplying. Now we leave it out there. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep going long after we're gone. It just keeps on moving. We've got all kinds of ways that we're making that happen, and I'm excited about that. Financial giving aligns your life with God's agenda. Yesterday, it was really cool. I got to go to my father-in-law's 80th birthday party. And what was interesting is, though his grandkids live all over the place, there's some in Iraq, there's some in Thailand, there's some in L.A., which is a, another foreign place. There's some, <laughs> they're everywhere, okay? And every one of them came in, not one of them was missing. Not, not a single grandkid 
The great-grandkids were there. All the kids were there. And I watched as one grandkid after another got up and said, with tears in their eyes, Granddaddy, you've changed my life. You showed me how to be generous. You showed me how to give. And you showed me what it meant to work hard. And you showed me what it meant to have integrity. And I haven't done it as good as I want to, but I want to be like you. And I leaned over to my brother-in-law and I just whispered in his ear. I said, it's amazing the legacy of a godly man. It's true what God says. You leave an inheritance, not just financial, but in so many ways to your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And I, I, I told my brother-in-law, Steve, I said, you don't have to be perfect. Archie's not perfect, but he's seeking after God. And he's continuing to grow all of his life. And you see what God wants to do through that. Archie stood up and he said to the grandkids, I want you to hear something. I need you to know this. I used to think I had to control everything. And I was trying to make my career and do all of this stuff. And he started tearing up. And he says, when I gave control over to God, everything that I had over to God, that's when everything changed. And he goes, kids, I need you. I, I long for you. I want you to do that too. Verse 10, the same one who has put seeds into the hands of the sower and brought bread to fill our stomachs will provide and multiply the resources you invest and produce an abundant harvest from your righteous actions. It's exponential, ever expanding, ever expanding. Verse 11, you will be made rich in everything so that your generosity will spill over in every direction. Through us, your generosity is at work, inspiring praise and thanksgiving to God. Did you see, hear that? You'll be made rich in everything. Why? So that it will spill over in every direction. So that you can give. God's looking for those pipelines. You give and he gives back to you more. And you give it out and he gives back to you and you give it out. It's not about living an opulent lifestyle. It's having enough and then watching him pour more than enough. But you have to start. You have to prime the pump somewhere. You have to decide that you're going to believe at some point. What we believe, we practice. So the path to a enoughness and even more than enoughness, you give, God restores, you give, God replenishes. It just keeps coming like that. Verse 12, for this mission will do more than bring food and water to fellow believers in need. It will overflow in a cascade of praises and thanksgiving for our God. It's a proof of your faith. It's the proof of your faith. You see, it's easy to talk. I'm a believer. I am community of faith. What we believe, we practice. And then lastly, many people will praise God because you obey the good news of Christ. You didn't just hear it, you obeyed it. The gospel you say, you believe. I think it's interesting that he puts that there. I guess he knows this. You say you believe it. You freely share with them and with others. I am community of faith. What I believe, I practice. Everything else is just religious. Religious. 